What does it mean to start a clothing brand in this day and age? And how do you embody who you are through your product? Every founder, creative director, you name it, are constantly asking themselves this question. My guest this week became a designer not because he dreams of a Paris runway show, and not because he wants to follow a trend, but because he wanted a better way to communicate about himself. Something breezy, something light. Which is why he describes his brand as a linen state of mind. My name is Jeremy Kirkland and this is Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. My guest this week is Alex Crane. Alex and I discuss his concept of hustling with joy, why he sells his clothes at a farmer's market, and where his linen state of mind originates. Let's do it. Alex Crane, you're on the pod. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Is it morning? Yeah. It's still, it's around there. It's around morning. It's, it's, it's a college morning. <laughs> um, how, how are things going? You know, it's, it's been a, a, a pretty beautiful week. Um, I went uh, biking this yeah. morning on my way to my office here. And uh, do you, Wait, do you live here, by the way? Do you live in your office? I used to live in my office, but then I... Um, so here's... Let me explain where we are real quick. Please? Okay. So we are... Set in, the scene. I'm going to set the scene for you guys out there. Um, we are in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. Outside is a, a, a nice glorious september day a bit of breeze and we're in a loft um in a, in a a loft that goes front to back as lofts do as lofts tend to do and mm-hmm. this is where we have our clothing business and uh it is called alex crane which also is incidentally my name and um it's where we have occasionally lived. So we have used this space as a multifaceted location. I have now um, had the fortune to wind up with a fiance who has allowed me to shack up with her. So I'm no longer staying here. So I have a, a commute back to where I used to live. Which is where? She is in the West Village. Fire. Fire. So you're up. basically in the West Village of Brooklyn and the West Village of Manhattan. That's right. I like to keep it in the villages. Yeah, stay in the villages. It's the villages only kind of guy, which is actually, to be real, maybe a metaphor for the whole thing here. Yeah. Well, I, you know, this business, uh, everybody I work with is a close friend, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the business in many ways is, is sort of the world that I want to be living in. So it, this is the, and, and the world that I'm living in is basically a village. So that's deep. We're going to get to that. No, I think um, we're good. I think we, we got what we need, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. This is good. <laughs> um, well, so there's a lot of reasons why I wanted you to be on. So yeah, to, to kind of summarize who you are, I first interacted with you because you were, did like a pop-up in the farmer's market. And I mean, I, I read the Alex Williams profile on you guys. Shout out AW. Come on, son. Um, which New York times, but, um, you guys make it's 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 interesting to me, and so like I I don't want to put you in a box, but like when Please I saw don't. your stuff, I was like I was like this is like really casual type, like linen e like easy going. Like I basically kept finding different adjectives in my head to try to describe what you were, and I was like, well, screw it. And so with my daughter on my chest, I went and bought a pair of your shorts, which are fire, and I've basically worn them all year, and. There's a, the things that I want to talk about is you guys are kind of like doing this for lack of a better term, like bootstripe clothing biz with just a, a few like small 
you know, SKUs, not a ton of options, all the right options. You're like doing pop-ups everywhere, but you're an online store. It's, it's like, it's basically like someone said like, Hey, how do I start like a cool clothing business? And, but like you guys are actually doing it versus someone like trying to throw it all at a whiteboard all day. So, I mean, this is, it's really impressive. And we I'm don't really even have a whiteboard. So. <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> so, I mean, I want to talk a bit about you and your background. So from what I read, so you're, you're a brown guy. You went to brown. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you should mention that as the first thing, just because I just recently made this realization, which was I w- when I was in high school, we had speakers come sometimes and they would tell a, a short summary of their resume. Okay. They would always start with where they went to college. And I remember thinking in high school, be like, oh, that means my entire life up to this point is irrelevant. Fair. And then I was like, but then I was kind of like, in a way felt free because I was like, oh, this doesn't even count. Yeah. And then I was free. So by the time my life started. Air quotes. I went, oh yeah, air quotes, I need to say that. You're fine. Um, I went to Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island. I'm from San Francisco, though, so that's kind of an important oh. original detail. Yeah. So, born Where, and raised in San Francisco, okay. the city. Um, Where in the city? Uh, it's, the neighborhood is called Pacific Heights. Yeah, I know Pacific Heights. Um, and, uh, I didn't know if you were going to say, like, I'm from the Tenderloin. Oh, no, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> I, I went to school near the Tenderloin, but... Um, oh, damn. But... Um, so, okay, I was, the, you know, growing up in San Francisco, I think, defined a lot of what I am now because it's an international city. When I was growing up, I'm 29 now, so it, I was Wait, like, you're 29? Yeah. That's so dope. Because I thought, you thought I was older? I don't know. I, th- I, don't know. I figure everyone's the same age as me. So every year, everyone I know is, gets a little bit older. Right. But they're always the same age as me. What's cool is about that is um, I, I now agree with you. I think 29 sounds young, but... Any other year before 29, I would have said it sounded old. So Interesting. now I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's great. I'm actually kind of excited for the we're all We're all peers here. I'm 33. Up top. There you go. Air, air, air high five. Air high five. Um, so for me, growing up in San Francisco was pre-tech like explosion. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think of it about the way that people think about San Francisco now. I think of it more like, you know, Kerouac. I think about fog and, you know, fishermen casting into the sea and 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 sort of this sleepy port town kind of weirdly you know okay and maybe that maybe that was my own uh, a lot of time on the wharf i i really did kind of spend a lot of time I w- you know i went surfing a lot i was on the coast i would go in and out of the city and that was sort of my experience is that you're always kind of dancing in and out of urban and natural spaces that and that's a very uniquely san franciscan experience mm-hmm. but i i carry that with me to this day and i think that defines a lot of the stuff that we make that's interesting I'll, I'll get maybe into no you're fine down yeah, the road but um so i i i went to the east coast i mean brown's a good school so that's one reason but the other reason was that i used to read calvin and hobbs and they always made the seasons look really dope <laughs> okay and i had never had them before so i thought this could be a great opportunity to kill two birds with one stone. Right. Feed two birds with one scone. Okay. My dad taught me that one. There you go. Um, it's it's much less violent. You're not you're not uh, you're not killing anyone. Right. Yeah. No. I'm 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 feeding the birds. There you go. Um. So I ended up in Providence, and it was beautiful, and it was very it was very different from my experience. You know, there's a sort of a, there's like a there's a different kind of fisherman in the yeah. northeast. He's 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 saltier he's a little more angry he's you know but he's but sure. and, and i was afraid of him at first but i, I now i love him 
Right. Um, and maybe that also began to inform some things around my design. But it's always, you know, the, the ocean is, I think, core. I've never lived any place that didn't have an ocean nearby. And that's true. You're a coast cool. guy. I'm a coast guy for sure. Yeah. Um, and um, the other perk of going to Brown was RISD. There and you go. RISD is the Rhode Island School of Design, and that's on the same campus. Mm-hmm. And I sort of weaseled my way into the apparel department because they have a relationship and just started taking classes there. And I learned. Wait, at the same time? Yeah. So you can just. They, RISD and Brown have a. Buddy program? Yeah. And it's an official relationship, but it's one of those things that, like, you know, you kind of have to make it work for yourself. They're not going to hold your hand. So particularly RISD, they don't really want you to go there unless you're really trying to go there. This is not like a, I'll take dance this semester yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it's a pretty select school. Um, yeah. So it was more that, so they had me take classes over the winter, over break to like prove that I was legitimate. And anyway, I got in there and I, they taught me how to sew. I mean, pr- I mean, I had always made things growing up and that's an important thing to say as well. It's like, I always like to work with materials and, and a lot of them ended up being closed because I like that particular intersection of, of, of design and functionality. I, was, I like to draw, but I love to make things that work. Right. So uh, you're also, you're not a brand that was like, hey, look, a hole in the market. Let's create a, a way to fix the hole in the market. You're like, no, I have a passion. I actually know how these clothes are made. I care about this. Like, you're, I mean, because I think the thing that I'm trying to distinguish is there are brands that start up of people that go to, you know, uh, elite schools and their way is like, I'm going to start a, a direct-to-consumer company. What about an umbrella that never blows away? You know, and it's just like, okay, but like, I don't really need it. And yeah. what... I'm hearing from you is that first off, most people, if you want to like do something successful, you won't always jump into clothing. Like you're only going to do it if you're really passionate about it. And also you have the expertise to back it up that you knew and know how this stuff is being made. Yeah. I have like so many things to say about that. Um, <laughs> okay. I, th- I think I'll start with, um, I have a lot of respect for the people who think about the umbrellas that don't blow away. Sure. You know, because I feel like that takes a certain kind of mindset, which is just to every kind of creativity is interesting to me in the sense that like if the way that you're scanning the world is through that lens Mm -hmm. and you can be creative about it, that's amazing. Like, you know, I was reading this book about Michelangelo and how like at that time, like science and art were not really thought of as different things. Like he didn't even call himself a painter. He was just like really an amazing observer. And he was thought he would generally present himself as an engineer Hmm. and so if you look at his original drawings of like you know water ripples or whatever you could just see him observing really carefully the world around him and that was his lens and we now understand that to be a painter but that wasn't how he thought of himself principally interesting so to me that applies and also as an amateur uh, historian yourself maybe you can corroborate that or refute it we'll find out later <laughs> um <laughs> no, that's fine um um so that for me is i love that and for me the lens has always been um for better or worse aesthetics mm. and those were often related to colors and clothes right i you know the world for me is is that and i don't know exactly 
it wasn't a passion about fashion. I, I certainly don't have any interest in the runway or I don't particularly pay attention to the trends in that particular space. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't a fascination of mine. My fascination, I think, is just the idea that we're all kind of these walking art pieces. Um, hmm. and, and we have to wear clothes by law. So we need to make it work for us, for whatever we're experiencing. And secondly, we get to express ourselves. And that, to me, is my lens. So, you know, I totally agree with you. If you're trying to make money, don't go into fashion unless <laughs> you really dig it, you yeah. know? Um, and, you know, a company like Everlane, which is one of those DTC companies, he's a finance guy. He, I think he'll be first to admit he doesn't give a shit about clothes. So um, he, he just saw a hole in the market. Yeah. He saw the umbrella that didn't blow away. Yeah. And I admire that because he has that filter. And for me, it's not just about the ability to make clothes and sell them and have people wear them and, and have experiences with them, which is amazing. But then it's that other piece, which is the fact that you experience in them. And then yes. what world are we going to create that is the world that we're talking about when we wear these clothes? Right. And that's sort of the second element. Well, I, not to get like too philosophical, I, I think that you made some really great points because I am not, you know, anti any of those companies either. And in fact, I would argue that iron sharpens iron here. There are a lot of brands and people who have had to evolve and also improve because of new brands and competitors that are popping up. Like, you know, basically because of the internet and because of these direct to consumer companies, there are a lot of people who are trying to make their experience with their product significantly better. Mm-hmm. And I would argue till I'm blue in the face that that is good. Um, but I think what's interesting, specifically in clothes, and like if you think of all the different verticals of stuff that people are selling, um, clothing, especially a new brand, you most of the bigger brands that we all know and think of, they're backed by history and authenticity. And so when you're doing something new, you have to kind of find that. And what I, the thing that's always maybe frustrated me slightly is when you find out the people that started it. And like, I'll just pick on Everlane for a bit because I know those guys over there. Like, yeah, like it wasn't like, oh, I was so excited about clothes. I think their stuff, they really try to lean on their sustainability and they try to, you know, have that. But for a, a brand that can really find people that align with the value um, especially in menswear, like you gotta, it's gotta be someone who cares, who has the passion for it, who knows how it's made versus I'm just going to try to make a better way to, and you know, handle inventory. And I think that that, in my opinion, is also why a lot of people that I know are into your brand, because you're not just this guy who's trying to fix it. Like you are making stuff that I think is really beautiful. And the shorts that I wear, I'm serious. So I, I have the, the linen stripe shorts. All this stuff's linen, by the way, so that didn't help too much. But like, um, and I, everyone's like, where'd you get those shorts? Where'd you? And I'm always like, yeah, this brand. So, I mean, well, I want to j- jump back to you being at uh, Brown and RISD. So like, what were you studying originally? Okay. Um, well, at Brown, uh, one of the things about it is they don't make you do anything um, oh, wait, really? Yeah, there are no requirements. It's really um, 
cool, but also <laughs> bad if you have no direction. Um, oh, dang. I, know, I had no idea. No, it's true. Did. I mean, if you, if you choose a major, like if you're an engineer, right. then that department will have requirements, but there are no general education requirements. Um, so I went in there with, you know, all my enthusiasm and um, focused on the things that I like and crafted something that worked for me. So I, the department I chose at Brown was, co- was international relations and I focused on Latin America. And, um, and, uh, at RISD, I did apparel. Now I, I didn't graduate from RISD. I just took the classes. So sure. ultimately I was a Brown grad. The way that I ended up, um, finding a uh, common ground in those two areas was with my final project. So when I was, uh, you know, my, the equivalent of a thesis mm-hmm. for me was, um, one of the reasons I like latin america i have there are many reasons uh but one of them is that coming from california i uh was exposed to a lot of guatemalan and mexican uh communities and then through that the textiles that are associated with those communities Mm -hmm. and i actually ended up going to guatemala when i was 18 so i had a, a bit of perspective on um their textile tradition and when I was at Brown, I wrote this woman I'd met in Guatemala, an expat who lived in Boston. And I said, hey, do you know any Guatemalans that are living in um, the eastern seaboard that are still working on, te- on textiles? And she said, I don't, but I know a woman at UMass Dartmouth who might. She connected me with this woman. She's like, you've j- come to the right place. I work with uh, a cooperative in New Bedford, Massachusetts of Guatemalan weavers, and which is like 45 minutes from Providence. Oh, wow. So it's kind of an amazing, you know, roundabout way of getting there. But ultimately what I ended up doing was um, there had been an immigration raid uh, in New Bedford, Massachusetts in 2007, and about 400 people were deported. Mm. And after that, all these factories, and because there are now, New Bedford um, has a really amazing history in textiles. It was originally a whaling town. Then it got into textiles actually Berkshire Hathaway, as in the Warren Buffett company, was mm-hmm. originally a textile company in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Um, and then, of course, once that moved down to the, the American South and then overseas, they lost that industry. And now they pretty much only have government government manufacturing of like parachutes and fishing. Those are the two industries in New Bedford. So. After that raid, all these factories were terrified they might get raided as well, and they fired everybody who looked remotely. Oh my god, Mayan, basically, right. and a lot of them were actually legal uh, immigrants. Jeez. So uh, they got together, formed a court case, and ended up getting a settlement that they used to form a labor cooperative. And this is this amazing story. And um, ultimately, they ended up uh, deciding to in addition to advocating for other uh, laborers in New Bedford, also have a weaving cooperative because they're all from Guatemala and had that tradition. So we worked together. I made this little documentary, which I can show you afterwards, about it, and I made textiles that I, with them that I then made into clothes. And that was sort of my synergistic way of, of, of combining my loves. That's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, that, that's really amazing. Yeah, it's a cool story. Yeah. So yeah. Th- from then, you're like... I guess I should stick doing clothes. I mean, what what was like the next step that basically led you to forming a clothing company? What's funny, because I was talking about this with uh, Caroline last night. Uh, Caroline is, is my fiance, okay. and um, she and I was saying how 
in the twenties. Oh, I was talking about how the how you know in the twenties, which I now, as I said, I'm, I'm getting to the end of it. Um, you know, the major questions are, who the fuck am I? What the fuck am I doing? Oh, in your twenties, no, like the, I the like, age range. I feel like that. Yeah, in one's twenties. Okay, versus gen- the nineteen twenties. Ah, yes. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. I was just trying to understand. <laughs> Generally, people are like tripping out about what they're doing in their life. Yes, right? I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that people don't advertise that enough uh, because they say the twenties are really great. Um, no, but, they're awful. But nobody says that. I think we need to say that. Put it in writing. Put it in audio, guys. The twenties suck. Okay, so yeah. now it's been said, but. One of the things that I was sort of weirdly uh, not freaking out about was the areas that I liked. So ever since, I I know it's interesting considering the weird hybrid of all the things I just mentioned that I was interested in, but ultimately I've always liked making clothes and it's weird and I can't really tell you why, but I just, I just. Well, it sounds like you already have told me why in the best way. I mean, there's a lot of passion behind it. So I just dig it, you know, and, and, um, for better or worse. And that's just, so that part of it was not so much a source of, of, um, of fear or anxiety. It was more the expression of it. Um, and I think that for me, the only difference between the life I have and the life that I want is how, how successful the company is. I mean, I think I'm already doing what I want to do. It's just a function of how, you know, if I can make it a, a successful livelihood for myself and all the people that I work with. Right. Know? That's really. So after I graduated, I came to New York. I started working. Um, why New York? Why New York? Um, I. This is another element of me. This is we're going to get a little more psychological. Let's so do it, man. Go into that. Um <laughs> I came to New York, so I'm from California, and California, for those who've never been there, is pretty uh, easy. And then, in what sense? Easy going, laid back. It is easy to live there because, I mean, minus how much it costs to live there, it is easy to live there because you never get really beaten down by the weather and the people are generally friendly and it's a progressive place where everybody's included. And you know, it's, it's okay. It's a place where when you grow up there, you're not, you're not feeling like the world is actively working against you. At least that was my experience. I'd be happy to have some Californians come back and, and, and push back on that one. No, I, I think the fact of like California is yes, an open and welcoming place. I'm sure that there are people who have contrasting opinions, but overall I agree with you. Yes. Okay. And I think that, Weirdly, having left California and having had that experience, um, I came to New York. I remember in for the first time I came in February um, and I came out of the subway in Greenpoint, actually, in Brooklyn. And uh, I had no idea where I was. It was cold. It was, you know, not welcoming. Um, I was staying at a buddy's place who wasn't there and it was just like, there was not good heat and it was like, you know, it was like, it kind of was smelled like smoke and it, you know, it was, it was not well, it was the opposite of California in that way. And I think there's a part of me that for some reason is attracted to that. And I think it's maybe where the brand is different than people might suspect. Um, for me, the lightheartedness that the brand has is something you have to work to cultivate. Like it's not something that you just get, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think that like the product will help you feel that way. Mm -hmm. I really do. I think that like the breeziness 
there's a there's like a linen state of mind, if you will, you know. Um, but but it, it it's something that you have to work towards, and I think that I want that to be something that I'm helping people do. And if I didn't have the wherewithal to do it in an un an unwelcoming place, right? Then I wouldn't really be very well qualified to do that. I, I don't think I could have said that when I was just out of college, but that is my analysis of how I ended up in this place. It's October and I'm in a haunted house. The worst kind of haunted house. The kind that leads to an airport terminal. A terminal where I don't have my away luggage. I need that USB battery pack that keeps my phone charged. Those four smooth as silk wheels so I can glide to my gate. And that unbelievably strong German polycarbonate that protects my travel gear and all my dope clothes. I want to escape, but that's not an option. The only way out is to face my greatest fear, boarding a flight without my favorite carry-on. Beads of sweat form on my forehead, and I pass a dusty table covered in cobwebs. On it sits an envelope that reads, Open me, in a faint scrawl. I wonder if it's a trap, but I reach out with trembling fingers anyway, open the envelope, pull out the paper inside, and read the following words. Go to awaytravel.com forward slash blammo and enter code blammo at checkout to save $20 off your purchase. Could this message be my deliverance? Oh my god, I'm going to make it after all. Around the next corner, I find a computer. Quickly, I type in awaytravel.com forward slash blammo and enter promo code blammo to check out and save $20 off my purchase. At the end of a hallway, a door creaks open. A hazy white glow appears, and from it, as if summoned from another world, my brand new away carry-on emerges and glides toward me effortlessly. It stops at my feet. I grab the handle and we make our escape. That was a close one. Yeah, I mean, I think New York in general, there is a a hustle that gets kind of, you know, ingrained on you, whether you want it or whether you don't. I mean, I think a lot of people are like, man, this is a, this is a tough city. And when people say that, I'm, I've always like, because I've been here since like 2004 or five, and the thing that I love about it is everyone I meet, they have their like career, their like air quote career, but then they're like, but what I really do is this. I work at a bar, but I'm an actor. I work at here, but I'm starting a company. I do this, but I'm starting a podcast. Like I'm, you know, all these people have that. And I think, you know, to the whole iron sharpens iron thing that I was saying earlier is like, you're like, oh yeah, I, I think I need to be pushing myself too. And I, mean, I don't know, maybe that's what you meant by, you know, some of the California stuff, you know, excluding LA where everyone's doing something, but like there is this constant push to be refined in the, in the way of like, how are you improving? yourself and your situation and I think some people take that to an extreme and destroy themselves I mean I've definitely done that where I'm like I'm so focused on making a certain amount of money or buying some certain thing that I miss out on like my life in the meantime but I think that it definitely does make you sharper but can give you an advantage when you're especially you know doing what you're doing which is like being this entrepreneur yeah totally and I and I don't want to be fragile I think that that's the way that I... It's an interesting adjective you chose. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, fra- I mean, people won't say that. I, I, I think fragile also implies that, you know, that you can break versus like you're unbreakable. 
well, I think that you, I think that you need to put yourself in situations where your values are challenged, you know? And I think that being here, I am bringing an energy that I've, that I've, that I've was given sort of, I, I mean, I, maybe I cultivated it in California, but that's an energy that I, I know is true to who I am to my core. Um, but I like the way that it's confronted here. And I think that's like mm. one of the challenges of, of of being a human in general is that we we are often out of our element i think now in 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 a in a world where things change quickly we move a lot you know we don't live where our family is our parents or you know our friends live elsewhere mm-hmm. and so we have to kind of remember like well where am i what am i outside of all the things that i am mm. you know yeah and i think that, that who are you when no one's looking yeah yeah and or who are you when new people are looking you know yeah. And I think that's what this, to me, in a way, this brand is also about that. It's like, I would like to have a community of people that are able to, um, to, to have a core sense of, of lightheartedness. And that does not mean that you're not hustling. It does not mean that you're not ambitious. Sure. But it means that you're able to do that in a way that doesn't take you down. And I think that that, that you could actually do it with, with joy. And I, and I, and I don't pretend that that's, easy for me even right you know what i mean but it's but it's worth worth trying to do because why would we spend all of our life that's the problem with new york is that people are successful but at the cost of themselves right and that's just not the point of life you know but i also don't think the point of life is to chill on the beach yeah i don't yeah no i i agree that's where i me that's where that's my synergy right there that's know? that's pretty that's a that's a good that's a good vibe yeah so i want to jump to more about your brand itself and one of the things that i think has been really interesting about your brand is also and you know i feel kind of tacky bringing this up but i was like no this is really good it's like your marketing like your visuals from you know i'm people i'm sure people will look this up at once it airs but like the you know laying shirts down on a tonal table with oranges and knives and all those things and like how you you visually like tell your story is phenomenal and it's almost i mean in a lot of ways it's like it perfectly lines up with what people want to see and like where did that come from well i mean was that you guys just like let's do it this way yeah that's i mean i think that if if there's a strength that i have other than making nice clothes it's making nice pictures (laughs) okay Um, (laughs) those are like my two things that I'll, i'll i'll claim that i'm good at um and um it's not um those those images do not come from a place of particular ambition in the sense that i'm not <laughs> trying to um i think it is completely in line with the spirit that i'm describing um about the hustle which is that i just want to make beautiful images i really enjoy doing it sure um i love taking the pictures i love setting them up i love uh editing them it is it, it's a joyful experience for me and then if people respond to them it's like a little bonus of dopamine okay um but the but the act of doing itself i would have done it even if i didn't i used to take pictures this is pre-facebook kids <laughs> okay and i would take pictures with a you know a real camera get them developed and put them in photo albums and i have those albums still back in california and i just liked to do it you know it's not it wasn't for any ambition other than just to make them. Right. So I think that if you can come from that place, um, 
that hopefully people respond to that, you know, and then also you have to be uh, measured. I think that's, you know, one of the challenges in making anything is that it's actually a lot easier to make something complex Hmm. than it is like overly complex than it is to make something really clean and beautiful. My effort in all things is to like take away if I can. And so, you know, I try to, t- you know, you'll see I put the oranges or whatever in there. And, then, you know, sometimes I'll be like, should I put a book in there? Like, you know, it's like, sure. you, you kind of got to hold back. So that's the other thing about it, I'll say, is like, it comes from a bit of restraint and seeing how much you can take away and still create the same feeling. Interesting. You know. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot to be said, you know, especially when people are trying to just add more and more. The, the, the desire to reduce is not always inherent in someone. No, and I think there's a sense that somehow people would be more impressed. I mean, also, I will say, and this is problematic, is that I just really, I don't like the fact that the ads are ultimately the final judge of success. Um, What do you mean by that? I think I know what you're saying. Yeah, I know. I, I'm not being very clear because I'm not sure that I, I even want to say it. But I, guess, but, <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> but I think it's that like I don't, you know, the fact that the way that we experience a brand now is through, scrolling through Instagram. Basically, that's, that's how it is. Sure. I want to make images that are compelling enough to stop because there are sometimes images that you look on Instagram that you're like, damn, that's cool. Or like, mm-hmm. that's funny. Or, but most of the time you're just like, oh God, it's just somebody else's life. Like, uh, yeah. Like I feel shitty about it. I'll just skip it. And then like you, you know. FOMO. Yeah. It, 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 I don't think there's a lot of joy out of that, but sometimes I do. Sure. And so I want that to be the, to the, be the, the expression of these ads. If I can find a way for them to be not just looking like everybody else trying to sell the same thing and be a little bit, uh, bring a bit of light into your scroll that's great. <laughs> but more than that, and the best version of it would be if the product brings you, you know, joy. And I know that's just like a little window you have into the yeah. that thing. And I feel like um the the physical expressions of the brand are also a version of that for me that I can really get behind. Like you sitting here with me in this space, like now I can feel like, oh, this is what this is about, you know, and, and right. maybe that's um but I I have you seen any of the ads in your Instagram feed? I have. And did they, well, how did they feel to you? They're nice. I mean, I, I've, you know, this is like, you know, total real talk, like no, no ads here. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I like it a lot. I, I think I probably hit your ads because I saw you at the pop-up, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, I read the New York Times article. I, um, you know, and I think from there, I don't know who did your targeting or whatever, and we don't have to get too granular, but like, you know, I probably got served an ad because I was on your site. I mean, I was on your site and I was digging through stuff. Right. No, I just wondering, like, did I, like, I really was meaning more like, did the ad speak to you? Oh, did it speak to me? Um, in the sense, yeah, like it was, it was appealing because like, you know, I was saying earlier, I was like, it just, it wasn't what I expected. Like with, with all, this is not a knock at you, but like, why is an orange next to a shirt? I don't know, but it actually looks good together. Like, why did it look more artistic? than it did, you know, for like a brand that I'm not wild about where they're like, we made our shirts out of performance fabric and here's a golfer. Look at how good he is. And it's like, okay, you know, I'm not in that audience, so I can't really align. I'm more like, I want something that is also somewhat artistic. And I would say that brand that I mentioned and then what you guys are, one is more artistic than the other. 
So um, give me that golf shirt, bro. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I think that is what I responded to because if you see an ad for a shirt, chances are the shirt is something you wear, right? So you don't really need to tell me that you can wear the shirt. That it, but like, show me something else about it, and you know. But again, like, I am someone who is more or less obsessed with fashion, so obsessed that I have a you know podcast about it that my mom listens to. Yeah. But it's just like, <laughs> you know, um, so I'm in my own little bubble. Yeah, yeah. I so it's it's no, tough. I, I I totally. But you know, it's also Alex Williams' second shout out. Um, he saw the ads too. Really? Different ones, but that's actually, it's not actually how I originally met him, which I could explain separately, but the reason you wrote the article is because of the ad. So, like, there is, I mean, I, I, sh- I guess you should just keep doing them, you know? Well, I, I think you're, you're on to something. Yeah. But one of the things, so your brand, for, from, from my experience, is 100% linen. It's 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 like ninety percent linen. There's some other stuff, but yeah, okay. I, I, let's say for all purposes, it's linen. So my, I really like your brand. I really like wearing your stuff. But what what is the plan <laughs> for you for the fact for that now? it's cold outside? Yeah. yeah, no, it's such a good question. I mean, um, to to go to like the the first like the most logistical answer to that one, please, is that I will be the first to admit that. Um, it's hard to convince people that linen is relevant after a certain uh, window of time in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think personally, a lot of places that aren't the Northeast, it's a lot more flexible than, than that. It's totally. More, it's more of a perception thing. Yeah. Um, so it, 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 that's number one. Number two, this linen state of mind thing I'm describing, like if you can get that and apply it to, your uh jaunts out of the city okay let's say we're starting in new york for example all right and we're going to miami this weekend right you gotta have something to bring you down there so we're going that angle this this time and there are also many places um that aren't new york this is very true in which case uh, we forget that sometimes (laughs) in which in which uh case it's actually not quite so impossible to imagine wearing a linen shirt like turks and caicos and all those cool places that people go to well i was yeah i mean those are those are travel places but i was thinking like you know miami austin la san francisco you know i mean these are places you know but then yeah tulum you know yeah whatever but i i i ultimately the way that i it's kind of like um hemp okay yeah it's like you know young maven you know those guys yes so they're all about like trying to convince people to wear hemp. You know, it's like a material they're really into. I, the, if you put these shirts on, you're going to know that it's actually uh, a material you can wear in a lot. We don't use like a paper thin linen that feels like. No, it is a hearty. It's linen. a hearty linen. It's, yeah, this is I like, agree. It's like a full bodied, like drapey. Like it's got some. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Merlot of. <laughs> of linen shirts so it's just not limited in the way that people think it is that said i'm not going to fight against the perception i'm more angling for this chasing chasing summer um spirit you know what i mean so let's we are right now uh we work with Stephen allen yeah we're planning on a a travel pop-up that's gonna we're gonna launch in november that's gonna be around um 
the spirit of getting out of the city once once you don't want to be here anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And so for the northeast places, I think we're thinking in that regard. Um, but then in for for uh, other places, we're we're just gonna keep showing that it's relevant. The final answer is that we are introducing drum roll, please pants and jackets and linen which are sort of if you were to take the world that we're creating here and the fall expression of that interesting maybe a pants and jacket so there you go that's fire yeah um one of the other things i wanted to talk about as we we start to wrap up here is there are a lot of brands that i know that they'll start out and they're like they're basically looking for some way to kind of align themselves and so they'll do you know a pop-up at a store a pop-up you know to to get that sort of in. And one of the things that I think you guys do really, really well is you do a pop-up at a farmer's market. Yep. And especially like, you know, in Fort Greene, <laughs> which is, is a good area to do, a, to do a pop-up where you guys can sell your product. Where did that idea come from? Um, I'll tell you exactly where it came from. Well, right. first off, um, we live in Fort Greene and we are patrons of the Fort Greene Farmer's Market. And uh, enthusiasts of She Wolf Bakery. Yep. Um, that you know is like a twelve dollar loaf. So <laughs> yeah, She Wolf is mad pricey, yeah. but it's it's pretty damn good. So it's <laughs> the best bread I've ever had. Um, this whole thing is actually one big ad for She Wolf. Um, so, <laughs> um, so long form, long form ad. Okay. Um, but my thought was, hey. Uh, the people who are probably interested in She-Wolf Bakery are also interested in our clothes. Yes. And uh, we, it proved not to be wrong. We were fortunate that there's actually a market next to the Fort Creed Farmer's Market. They're separate, but they look, they're contiguous, so you don't know they're different. One of them is an artisan, air quotes, market, and then the other one is a farmer's market because... I wanted to expand this model once it started to be like the Fort Farmers Market has been like a massive success for us, like just shocking. Yeah, and it's amazing. It's been insane for us. Yeah. So like, um, I want. I was like, let's expand this model. Like, like every farmers market. Let's just go after all of them. Because you've been out to Long Island. You've been in yeah, Cape Cod. Yeah. So those weren't farmers markets though, because the reason we were not able to do farmers market oh. is because they're really up on there. If you're listening, guys, high horse. Okay. And they're all about how it has to be organic food only. And I'm like, guys, this is a good opportunity. Put an apple you. in the shirt. There you go. Problem solved. I, okay. I'll work on I'll work on getting some food sponsors, but <laughs> the, anyway, they wouldn't let us do it. So, um Okay. That's But you were still doing pop-ups. Yeah. So, I mean, pop-ups are are a great model um in some cases and a disaster in others. I think you can um talk to many people who have schlepped stuff great distances and not had quite what we've discovered is it's a function of traffic foot traffic and weather it's really basic it's like very just simple stuff and one things that are more or less out of your control though exactly well yeah unless you can you can sort of optimize for the types of places but i think and it's I feel like in this digital world, like anybody who hears those kinds of things, they're like, oh man, you're an idiot. Like just do the internet. Like don't even just get them to the door through your URL, you know, don't try to do this, but it's one of my favorite things to do. So I'm glad you're doing the pop-ups. I would highly encourage you. And I'm sure other like listeners of the pod and whomever would love to see you do another pop-up somewhere else. Hit us up. I would love to do it. I think you're right. 
so all of the uh all the things that we do like that are in and and the other people who work with me uh are all of us like to talk to people so yeah, we you guys are, are chatter we're chatterboxes so yeah. just let's just talk okay <laughs> just come over and talk find us we're just want to chitty chat about whatever you want to talk about okay our vibe is like let's get a little more let's get a little more lighthearted because we're feeling especially as the weather changes guys we're your go-to shop yeah for lighthearted state of mind i agree with that thanks man yeah um, you got you got the rugs you got the plants yeah I mean, y'all, you could just, well, you know, we'll come to you. Um, before we wrap up, so you're expanding into additional products that are a little bit more heavier linen-y yes. for, for fall. Yes. Still doing the pop-ups. Yes. Do you see yourself staying with this for a long time? Because one of the things that, from this conversation that I gathered, is you've really kind of discovered and learned who you are as a person by making your own brand. I do see myself doing it, and it's another one of those things. As I mentioned before, um, the only difference between... I I really am happy with all the things that are happening in my life. I love doing this work. Um, I love the kinds of things I get to do, the people I get to meet. Um, The only thing is that, you know, this is not... The way this is scaling is not how tech companies scale. So it's just... yeah For me, it's about making my uh little world big enough to impact uh a few more people <laughs> mm-hmm. than we are currently now i mean like to expand the audience we're we're connecting to and in turn you know make that make it possible for us to um make this into something long lasting you know i think that what's amazing to me is that this was just an idea that i had that i started in an apartment like two and a half years ago and then like now it's a thing and that's and the only difference between then and now is is time and effort and so i i'm i'm well that's a big thing that's a big differential because there are a lot of people whom i know who start a brand and they basically need to hit x number and if they don't they're gone and i think one of the reasons why you know again like i like you and why i think you'll stay around is because of the people that are behind the brand i mean your product in a way for me, it is more you than your clothes. And I think, like, the, if, if you guys can keep that, that attitude and, you know, which I don't think should be too big of a problem, like, yeah, you're going to have more people, like, you know, like, again, shout out Alex Williams from The Times who are just going to be like, yeah, I'm into these guys and I'm going to find and go after them. I appreciate that. Thank you. Of course. Um, and uh, also, I think that, you know, the product needs to be ultimately amazing. Let's put that aside. And, yeah, and, you still have and, to have good products. Yes. And, and it is. <laughs> I, I mean, I really, and I, I don't say that just to make a sale. I think it's a great product. Um, but then you're right. Ultimately, what I'm trying to make is like a, is, is, is a great family. Right. Of people that, that, are, that, are, that are like-minded in that particular way, which is a certain kind of spirit. So if we can, that's what I want to promote. And that's what I want to make it be possible to keep doing. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Does that make sense? No, I hear you. I, yeah. I, I think that's totally I don't know if that up. was the most eloquent way of saying it, but I think that at some point in this interview, I've made that point. Yeah, I think you're good. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. Well, Mr. Alex, Mr. Alex Crane, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, it was good chatting. Mr. Jeremy. <laughs> All right, we'll see you, man. Bye-bye.
You've been listening to Blamo. Heads up, next week is our AMA where I'll be reading and answering your questions. Now there are a lot to go through, but I'll do my best to get to them all. If you haven't submitted, just email us or send us a DM on the gram. Our theme music is by Tanlines. If you like this episode, there's tons more to listen to at blamopod.com. Listen to Blamo on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, tell a friend and leave a review. It helps let others discover the show. Follow us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast or send us an email at info at blamopod.com. Still want to connect? Join our Slack group and chat with other friends of the pod. Just send us an email and say, hey, add me to the Slack. All right, we'll see you soon.